and welcome to another episode of Atlas Lingue, the show produced by Studio Ochenta that's all about culture, communication, and translation. Today's episode is so much fun because we have actor, comedian, and online Dominican cultural ambassador, Gadiel Del Orbe. We talked about Gadiel's upbringing in what he calls New York City's Dominican Times Square, and about his work as a content creator at Pero Like, spanning years of videos about food, language, culture, and politics. We also touched on his work on La Cabina Telefónica, the show produced by Studio Ochenta for Spotify, where Gadiel plays a hilarious and charismatic role of, well, Gadiel. <laughs> by the way, there's a lot of humor in this episode, including a couple of dad jokes, so stick around for those. Anyway, here's our interview with Gadiel Del Orbe. Let's start by uh, you telling me a little bit about yourself and your upbringing. Uh, from what I know, you you grew up in Harlem, New York, in a Dominican family. Uh, can you tell me what that was like, like in terms of how your family's culture merged with, you know, the culture you lived outside of home, in your neighborhood, and just, you know, how that experience was growing up? Well, uh, you know, born and raised in, in New York City, uh, like they, well, 43rd and Broadway. So there's a lot of Dominicans in the area. So it's like, I, I always call it Dominican Times Square, right? All right. It's a unique position because, you know, like you still grew up in, in New York City, like the home of the hip hop. So like I grew up with hip hop. I grew up with the uh, the culture. There was a lot of dancing, a lot of our music. So and also like the, the funny thing is uh, I relate so much with this whole cabina telefonica at the same time, because I remember being right. a kid and going to these little cabinas and my aunts calling my grandparents back in the Dominican Republic. Right. And yeah. I remember it was like 10 cents a minute. Right. Oh, yeah. And I remember standing in these booths that were so uncomfortable and cramming, <laughs> and just waiting as a kid. I, was, I just want to go outside and play. But what did just, they smell like? I don't remember. <laughs> okay, okay. Just, just wanted to paint a picture in my mind, but like, sorry, go ahead. Smell like a cabina. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So no, uh, I think uh, those times, man, and uh, growing up in like I would say the '90s in New York City. There was the culture was so alive mm-hmm. that the livelihood, like the everybody was outside. People played dominoes. There's music blasting all over the place. Uh, it, it was so cultural, right? So I think kids played outside. Like nowadays, you don't see these kids playing as much outside. Like everybody's stuck inside after Wi-Fi. Mm. But uh, I think I do miss those days. Building up on that, I wanted to ask you, um, what motivated you to start creating content and, and comedy, especially because from what I understand, you started out you know, with comedy as a comedian. Uh, I know you, you joined the Navy as well. And that was kind of like, from what I understand, where you where you started to do that. So could you tell me a little bit more about just what motivated you to, to start doing this? You know? Yeah. Uh, actually, I saw Kevin Hart's special, right? And um mm-hmm. Which was a laugh of my pain. I was like, I relate to this guy, even though I'm Dominican, he's African American. And I was like, I wanted to do stand up, I was too afraid of public speaking. So I started uh, doing stand up. I fell in love with the stand up aspect of it. And uh, I, I think I just also wanted to, when they offered me, Pero Like was looking for somebody that was Dominican. Right. And I was like, you know what, I'll do it. And I went to Pero Like, and I kind I wanted to do something that, that was representative of my culture. And I was also inspired. I used to watch this, these videos, uh, 
Then uh, it was a channel called That's Dominican.com. Even though I lived in San Diego, these were like New York, Jersey, Dominicans that were created content that I related to. Mm-hmm. So when I came into BuzzFeed, I was more excited about working for Pero Life because I was like, this is a, a time for me to give back to the people exactly what was given to me. Right. And it was a sense of representation, somebody I could relate to. So the motivation was like, how can we uh, bring Latinidad uh, to the masses? And not only that is, I knew that that if we created content for Latinos and, and have them feel seen and uh, and they felt connected, the enthusiasm is going to spread not only for Latinos that, that, that relate to the culture, but also for Latinos that didn't grow up being Latino, that are in the middle of Ohio, right. that felt different, but wanted to connect some way, somehow. Right. That were perhaps not as surrounded by Latino culture in their everyday life, in their neighborhoods, et cetera, right? Exactly. Were there any Latino idols you had growing up, people that you, whose entertainment you enjoyed uh, watching and that perhaps... Uh, inspired what what you eventually did at Better Like and beyond. Ah uh, man, I, I would say first and foremost, I love Cantinflas, oh, uh, yeah. but who really inspired me the most, Eugenio Derbez. Oh okay, Eugenio Derbez. I I remember growing up. I met Eugenio too. Oh really? Oh my god. He's a comedic genius, I think. Uh, I remember growing up in New York City. I would watch La Familia Peluche. Mm-hmm. He used to have a tour with his friends that they had like the Latino thing or whatever it was, but. His style of comedy was genius. He had tiene su comedia estilo de doble sentido. I remember, like, I, I went through a depressive time within my family where this is the first time that they divorced. Mm-hmm. And uh, watching La Familia Peluche, watching De vez en cuando, it came back to back on Thursday nights on Univision. And uh, even when I was in the Navy out to sea, I would watch. I have all the DVD cassettes of of. La Familia Peluche. Right. So comedically, the guy that inspires me the most also Henry the best. And when I met him, he came over to the studio and he said hi to every single person. Mm. That I remember we were walking to the studio and there was yeah. two cleaning ladies that saw that were like, oh my God, Henry the best. And they yeah. were like in, in the kitchen area. And he uh-huh. stopped and walked over to them and shook their hands because mm. they he knew who he was in their eyes. Right. Even even when I cried, like I was like, you know, my mom's a big fan of yours. We're gonna surprise her with you. Wow! And uh, and I'm also a fan of yours. And when I said that, I cried. Huh. And he put his uh, hand on my shoulder. Wow, it's amazing. It was just like it's like it was like comedy Jesus. I will call him. Okay, the best, of course, like a, a Mexican comedian. And you mentioned Cantinflas as well. Obviously, like an iconic Mexican star, right? W- were there any any Dominicans in particular that you also admired, like back then? I, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Raimon Pozo. I think he, they call him El Rey de Trabalenguas. Uh, Miguel Cespedes, of course. They were the ones that were creating movies, right? That that translated to uh, United States of America that created hit films. Right. But I don't think anybody has impact. And also, like that's the minute that come. You know, they're comedians too, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Manuel Manes P and and Tommy Peña. I wanted to be also. Tommy Peña was a big influence. I, I I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he still does. He's a comedian. He still does skits and stuff like that. He was also a major inspiration. It was like a mixture of Eugenio and Tommy Peña. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he was, for me, he was the funniest one in that's Dominican.com. And I kind of wanted to be a, a Tommy Peña 
for Better Life because he embodied uh, Dominicanness in a way that I I loved. Right. I I love the content of Better Life in general and the way that like. I think, as you mentioned before, it celebrates the the diversity within the Latino community. You know, I love all the videos where you try each other's food, you learn each other's slang, and all of that, right? So, uh, and I know that you you mentioned like this joy of of being able to like show uh, and showcase your Dominican identity as as part of Pero Like, right? So, I wanted to ask you, how did it feel when you when you started to work there, and like with their, your first few videos? Like, was there was there that sense of joy in being able to to showcase your culture and play around with it with humor and all of that? I, I saw Pero Like and I was like, this is cool. But when I met them, I was like, I'm going to do something like this for myself. But then when I saw, like, they would, like, I remember Jenny was the one that brought me in. Right. Jenny Lorenzo, right? The Jenny Lorenzo. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love her as well. And I was like, yo, they're funny. These guys have something that's different and... And uh, she was the one that made the video. I, the first video I came in was was uh, uh, Caribbeans try each other's a dessert, right. and I brought Navichuela con dulce and all that stuff. And I was like, I want to be part of this. I, I saw that that Jenny put an, an abuela video on Facebook, and it had like five million views. I was like, Yo, you guys got five million views? And they were like, Yeah. I was like, Yeah. I was like, That's five million views. And yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like cool about it. I'm like, yeah. you know, like there's nothing. I'm like, no big deal. No big deal. I got a thousand views <laughs> on anything that I put. Right. I barely got a thousand followers on Facebook. And uh, and I was talking to them, and, and I remember they're like, you know what? Let's let's offer you a job. Even though they were like, do you know how to edit? I was like, yeah, I know how to do all of that. Yo no sabía hacer nada esa mierda. <laughs> right. Right. But tú sabes, like, I'm Dominican, so we got it. We're gonna, you know, get in where we fit in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, when I remember I first started, you know, to answer your question, first started working there, the first three, I was excited. I was nervous. I I also felt like I wasn't part of something like this. This was something bigger for me. But I knew there was lessons to be learned. And I knew this was BuzzFeed. And I know I could acquire um, lessons uh, from BuzzFeed that I could give back to my community. First three videos were bangers. I think the first video was was uh, things that only Dominicans understand or something like that. Right. And I think over sixty k every sixty k shares it had on Facebook, like it went viral. So there was like, the first three videos were like at least hit over a million views on on Facebook. So I felt good. I felt like oh my god, I'm the, I'm on top of the world. I'm the man. <laughs> I love that. I mean, of course, it it feels like so amazing to see so many people like obviously obviously watching and responding to your content. Uh, how did you feel uh, about replies from people? Like, did you find that people were like identifying and relating to to your comedy or to your content? And and if so, like, what was that like reading people sort of resonating with what you're doing? Who could relate to those experiences? I think uh, it was, uh, I want to do something that different from what Das Dominican was doing because Das Dominican was so focused on, on Dominicanness that I saw the the crew of Pero Like, I'm like, okay, now this is an opportunity to encompass of Latinidad. Sometimes you see numbers and you see these major numbers and you're like, oh man, we got these numbers. Like you get this shot of dopamine. I can't believe that we're doing this in great, great numbers. But I think after a certain amount of time, it became about the numbers. And I love reading the comments that people are like, oh, Gadiel is my favorite. Gadiel, I love him. Gadiel is so funny. But I think it's a a bigger impact when you're walking down the street and somebody that stops you, they come up to you and they'll be like, oh, I'm Mexican. And thank you for what you're doing. 
Wow. I'm Salvadorian. And thank you for what you're doing. For So it was a bigger impact for me to meet people out, out and about. And they're telling me that where they're from, that they're not even Dominican. They were like, I feel seen. I feel uh, I relate to what you're doing. And, and I think it had a bigger impact than, on me. I was like, okay, I'm on the right path. All my mission to represent my people. Because you think about Latinos, we're all impacted by each other. Right. Right. Of course. All right. Like, you know, where are you from? I'm Mexican. You're Mexican? I'm from, I'm from Monterrey, yes. Monterrey. We grew, I grew up with, with the Mexican culture, even though I'm Dominican. I, I know the Vicente Fernandez and Alejandro Fernandez and the Pepe Aguilar. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I used yeah. to be in my car with my with my dad singing that, like, quiero que se oiga mi llanto, all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you watched the Derbez as well, right? Derbez and Cuando was a mm-hmm. me- Mexican comedian. I grew up in Cantinflas when I was a kid. Yeah. Right. Catiflatic sacó una película cada año. Master Improv. There's uh, uh, Colombians. If you think about Colombians, Colombians, you're you're impacted not only with Colombian novelas, Betty La Fea, which was remade everywhere else, but there's right. no, no none of it's better than, than the original. And the Colombian salsa, you know, the the frutos the el grupo Nietzsche, right? The Colombia está la salsa, eh, eh, Cumbia. you know. Cumbia, you know, Cali, Pachanguero, right? So yeah, of course. we grew up impacting each other's culture. Of course. So that's what makes Latinidad unique because I think everybody's like, people are in a weird space like, what is Latinidad? We don't know what it is. There's so many different uh, terms for Latinidad now. And, and so people feel like they're losing the essence, but we just need to continue bringing uh, bringing us together. We're not a monolith, but the, there's a beauty of, of us growing and impacting each other's culture. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think I, I like resonate exactly with what you said right there. Like not a monolith, but certainly influencing each other so much, right? Like, yeah. uh, I, I wanted to say that I, all, we also interviewed Maya, Maya Murillo for, for our show, for, for this show. And, uh, like she talked about like, better like as well. And, and just how, how beautiful that experience was. And uh, the, the chemistry with the cast was so palpable. Of course we could see it in the videos as well. Right. So yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. How, how was that experience? Like sharing, yeah, sharing the camera and, and all of that with other Latinos from different backgrounds and like different identities as well. And just, you know, coming together to make something like that. I, th- I think that was important because it was like a, a an ensemble, right? Like it was a, a we, everybody had their own thing. Everybody presented their people. Like, you know, we had Jenny. Jenny, you know, brought out the Cubanness, the abuela, that she had her characters. We had uh, Norberto, que es de Mexicano, de Puebla, also indigenous Mexican, right? Right, yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, my, my major viral hits, I, I collaborated a lot with Norberto, even though a lot of the videos were not me and Norberto specifically. And there was another guy named Pablo, he's also Mexican. It was mostly me and Julissa would come up with ideas and we brought it to Norberto and Pablo and we'll be like, can you guys relate to this? And we'll write down the script. We work together. We brainstorm like the Dominicans and the Mexicans mostly together. Mm-hmm. And we'll brainstorm. We're like, okay, I right, now, if you relate to this, we cut this out, we'll put this in. Okay. Now we're going to shoot. We'll shoot it today. We'll shoot it. And when we release it, like those were our biggest hits because we came together and saying like, right. are you relate to that? I relate to the same thing too. And Maya, 
uh, also uh, filled in a voice that was missing to within Latinidad because, you know, even though at that time she didn't speak Spanish, mm-hmm. she still uh, represented a, a certain set of Latinos that didn't feel Latino. Right. So we have the extremes of the Julissas, the Norbertos, and we have the Curlies. And Curly also filled in the gap. Like, okay, I'm Central American and I'm also gay. Mm-hmm. So there was different aspects of Latinidad that each person filled in and we did our thing to represent these, the, uh, everybody that's part of Latinos. And if, let's say, we, there was people, of course, missing within our crew that we try our best to incorporate and do ourselves and do our own research and, and bring in friends that were part of that culture to represent people that, that are not part of the team as well. I'm, I'm sure there are so many, but could you tell me a little bit about some of your favorite videos or maybe the ones that you were most particularly proud of in terms of, of, of what you accomplished with them, of who they reached or just what you, you were able to do with, with those videos? I think the the, the my uh, my most proud video was uh, what's going on in Venezuela. Right. Even though I'm not Venezuelan, mm-hmm. but I remember sitting there and there was uh, this turmoil, the major protests happening in Venezuela, and we're like, we have to do a video on this. And even though like I did comedy, I also wanted to extend something that was different, right? And uh, I had a friend of mine that is uh, he's still a friend of mine, of course, Alejandro uh, Toro. He was a master chef. And uh, I was like, I called Alejandro over Alejandro. I want to do a video on Venezuela. And he's like, hey, let's do it. I could link you with people from Venezuela that are que son periodistas. Okay. And I, I talked to them. They sent me videos and stuff like that. And we shot a video. And I think that was the first video in, in Pero Like that went mega viral. And they posted on BuzzFeed News. And that also went mega viral. And it was it was the first time us, or a lot of people weren't talking about what was going on in Venezuela at that time. Right. But it opened people's eyes on, on what's going on over there. But I also uh, made that video in a way for it to be emotional and captivating. And I think that was one of the most, and it, was, and it wasn't comedy. Of course. Yeah. I wanted people to cry. And to just be aware of the situation as well. Of, of the course. situation. Because I, I, could, I could do anything that's informative. Anybody could do anything that's informative, but human beings are, are motivated by emotions. That was such a like a uniquely uh, strong video for for all of those reasons. But of course, most of them were much more lighthearted and much more geared towards comedy and 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 learning about each other's uh, upbringings and experiences through comedy, right? So, uh, what are some examples of that that you you found were particularly fun as well? Like uh, when you had to try certain dishes or had to like you know, I don't know, learn certain words that, that you didn't maybe grow up uh, with. Uh, what, what are some of them that you highlight that you that you enjoyed particularly? It's hard to say particularly because we try so many dishes. I think okay. one of the one, one of the funnest videos that I did, I feel like I kidnapped Norberto and we tried different tacos. Okay. <laughs> and then we, we did fusion. And then Norberto also did videos on me trying different types of uh, Mexican dishes. One of my another favorite video is the first time I tried mezcal. Oh, okay. We went to a mezcaleria here in in, in LA, and it was he had over three hundred bottles. It was madre here, and Ivana and I became friends, the owner. And I, now I'm a big fan of mezcal. Like I'll I'll do a mezcal over rum any type of thing, Ooh, right? So like I try try mezcal for the first time. And I started eating grasshoppers. Okay. And, 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 that even though at first I was like, oh, I can't eat an insect, but uh, <laughs> now I was like, 
I'll eat grasshopper like nothing. It's delicious now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it impacted my life in a way that now I'm a mezcal fan. Now I'll eat, me gusta los chapulines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I can't, I can't pinpoint the reason why because it was a beautiful experience to try different cultures. Like I'm a big fan of Peruvian culture. Mm. I think Peruvians are underrated. Right. He, the way the Peru, my, my style of dancing salsa is very, uh, influenced by peruvians oh interesting peruvian food peruvians have over 500 different dishes that many peruvians have even tried all their dishes right you know at the at have great rums have great food chile relleno like like every culture like i, I can't I mean, that's why i can't pinpoint because every course, food that yeah. i tried from each country was amazing unique on its own no, yeah, now that you mentioned it, like, I guess it was, of course, never boring, right? Because you were just always doing different things and, and trying to find things that were so much fun and, and also just learning about so many places, right? I guess yeah. I can imagine that it's it's hard to like pinpoint one or just even a few specific examples. De toda la vaina que hicimos, claro. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if we talk a little bit more about your approach to humor uh, because I've, I mean obviously in Pero like and also in your uh, individual videos in your like in, in your other accounts uh, on Instagram and TikTok where you do these uh, these little sketches or, or like I love how you do like the Latino version or the Dominican version of something like if if Aladdin was Dominican or if Romeo was Dominican or Santa Claus uh, how do you a- approach the humor when you do that do you just like uh, find the specific jokes and and build something around them or do you sort of like find more comfort in improvising and seeing what what happens how how is that how's that process i think i think i'm more comfortable improvising i, I want to be me i think i have an idea uh for the one like that latin was dominican i'm like it was halloween already and yeah and i was like i love bachata i think it would be funny that like he's smoking a hookah. dominicans love hookahs i don't know why where it came from but like I was smoking hookah and I was like, let's put some bachata on and I'm dancing. I'm yelling now for Jasmine. I was just, it was more improvised than anything. Mm-hmm. Even though Romeo was Dominican, it was more improvised. Like, oh, that'd be funny. Like like him yelling at Julieta, like a, a Dominican that has no patience. Right. Right. So when I approach those is, is I want people to laugh, but I also want people to feel like, like uh, there's an essence of a, a character Dominicano, that I feel like we are funny people naturally. Mm. I, you go to Dominican Republic and you go to any restaurant and you joke with any ra- waiter, they'll have a joke back. Oh, interesting. Somos gente que somos así, que somos like quick. Uh, we're yeah. very quick. And uh, I think we're hilarious. And I love the essence of our Dominicanness. And I just want to showcase esa, esa esencia a los demás. Yeah. I, I love that because uh, now that you mentioned that, like, like quick humor. Uh, I remember one of the the videos that that you that, that you did uh, on Pero Like was one of my favorites. Was when you interviewed the Japanese Dominican chef who they call El, El Ninja, right? El Ninja, uh, El Ninja, El Ninja. Yeah, and and I just thought it was so much fun because like I loved hearing him and how how he talked his accent, of course, but not only that, just his his words and the way he constructs his language. I remember he said something like, uh, "Perdí el chin de japonés que sabía y lo reemplacé con mi chin de inglés." I, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but like I just loved those little moments that made him so uh, so Dominican, and 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 you know there was so much humor in how he's. He spoke and so much charisma as well. So I don't know how 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 was that interview in particular because I, I felt like it was so 
you know, just so interesting on its own. It's very interesting, yeah. And that, that you, you hit the nail on the head because I think and Ninja um, embodies uh, Dominicanness, and what I'm trying to say is el carisma. Right. You see, you see this Japanese man. He walks out. I'm like, hey, cómo está? Dime lo que lo que mi hermano, todo bien. These are two worlds that you don't see linked before, but he has this straight up personality. Oh, oh. That's what we love to say. Oh, but you're so much Dominican like you, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, shooting that video was fun. I was like, I, I was dumbfounded, and I know I knew that that video people were gonna want to see somebody that's Asian descent, that that's Dominican, born and raised in Dominican Republic with a cold everything. Of course. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about La Cabina Telefonica and about your, you know, your, your performance there. Uh, you, of course, played the character of of Gabriel in our show in, in La Cabina Telefonica, which we worked on uh, in, in Studio Chenta for Spotify. What was that like for you? What What did you like about the character uh, when you when you read it and when you performed it? I think it was the first time I read things that something that I was like. This is what Spanglish really is. Okay, I I, I was I, I was a little tired. I'm also a little tired of Hollywood um, when they write down these scripts and they go like, "Let's go to the fiesta," mm. <laughs> right? Like no Latino talks like that. Right. Nothing. So when I read the script, I was like, "This is real Spanglish." So I think I was like more excited. One, I'm a New Yorker. Uh, to have some, uh, the show was based in New York City, Queens, New York. Yeah. Out uh, of a time that I actually lived, so I was uh, when I read the script, I was just excited of all encompasses of of this script and this show because it's like I come from here, and this is something that I've been complaining about for a very long time. Right. And I was like, okay, this show like is answering a lot of the questions and 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 is answering a lot of the complaints that I have. So I think it was I'm, I was more excited to be part of of this. Show. To be honest, I'm not I'm not a voiceover actor. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, it, it was the first time me doing voiceover acting and stuff like that. Yo 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 llegué para allá y tenía hasta la voz ronca. Yeah. But the experience was dope. Uh, you know, everybody was very patient and, and uh, it was fun. It was a really fun experience. I was one of the sound editors, sound designers uh, in the show. And of course, I had to to compile everyone's voices and the sound effects and music oh, no and everything. Way. Yeah. And uh, it, I mean, it was a, a great experience. I had so much fun doing it. But one of the many things that I enjoyed was uh, in several scenes, you as Gadiel uh, improvise in certain moments. Uh, I remember there's this one scene where you talk to um, Sebastian. Uh, and and like you're you're sort of telling him how to to flirt with women or, or how how to rather how how to like talk to women right uh, yeah and and I remember that you just sort of improvised off of the, of the lines that were already in in the script and I just had so much fun listening to everything you did so like whenever you did improvise I I found I tried to find a way to incorporate it into the script because it was so oh, much awesome. fun uh, yeah and, and I I don't know like I wanted to ask you like how how was a, a bit of that like were what are some of your favorite moments uh, listening back on the show or even just performing that you had fun both listening and, and acting out? I, I think it was uh, that you hit the nail on the head is the, the improvised part. I didn't know you edited it, yeah. but um, I, I remember I'll read something. I think it was the, uh, I think I was making fun of somebody or something. And, oh uh, yeah. 
And then I, I look, I, I read the line, right? And I was like, I want to add more things to it. I like, I want to add a little bit more of my Dominican essence and, and I kind of want to play with it a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad that I was given the chance to play. Yeah. So that's exactly what I did. I played and and improvised. I'm like, this is this brings some fun and my own comedic timing and impro- improvisation. And I'm glad I was able to. I was given that opportunity. I think. Yeah. That those were my favorite parts. Are you referring? I think you may be referring to the the scene where Gabriel is making fun of Juan the florist. I think. Yeah, the florist is like, it's like cabeza de huevo, I said something. But like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I, I heard you say a word that I had never heard before, but I just felt so hilarious that I had to include it, which was el, el doble feo de la esquina, something like that. <laughs> yeah. and, like, I, we just ran with it and, and it's hilarious. So I wanted to ask you also, I mean, when you listen to the final product, uh, you know, with the voices of, of Fanny Lou and uh, Isabella Gomez and the rest of the cast, I don't know, what was that like? Like listening, you know, to, to the to the whole thing, everyone sort of recorded on, in separate moments, but like and everything came together. I don't know. What, what was that? Like with all the diversity of accents, et cetera. I think it was so cool to listen. To be honest, I am. I was I was nervous and uh, I don't like listening to myself. I was a little cringe. I was like, I, I I'm a I'm a hard critic on myself. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I, you know, um, yeah. For me, listening to myself is cringe. You know, I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. there's people that feel like that, but you have to go through that because. And I was a little self conscious to be honest. I was me being vulnerable in that sense. Okay, but. Uh, I was like, man, there's things I could have sounded better. I could have done differently, like you know. Yeah. But besides the critique of myself, I think uh, when I listened to the show, it was cool. Okay, listening to everybody else, I was like, okay, now it makes more sense. Now I could hear everybody. Oh, I, oh, I see how dope everybody is. Oh, I see these people are professional. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, it was cool to listen to different people's accents. Yeah. So uh, you feel like you're there. You feel at that time. You feel like you're in New York City, like listening to the sound effects that you didn't hear when you were when I was actually reading this. One is reading the script and, and it being on paper and just performing it. But it's another one to listen to. Okay, now I hear the funny Lou. Mm-hmm. You know, now I hear Isabella. Right. So what, listening to everything and uh, when it came together, I think it was like okay, now I could see this world and I, I enjoyed it. Great. Well, I think th- those are all the main questions. I just have a very quick lightning round of questions that, that we would like to include. Uh, it's just three questions. So uh, the first one is, what's a Dominican food that always cheers you up? Mango all day. You know what it is? Okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm gonna, I was, that's funny. That's a good question okay. because I, I, I went to sleep last night thinking about Dominican food. Okay. And arroz con guandule, con ensalada de papa, un penny. And, and, and tostones or, my, uh, or, or my plátano maduro. You can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong. That's like the, the Dominican plate staple right there, son. Yeah. That's what I would say. Total comfort food. Sounds awesome. <laughs> I want to sleep thinking about those foods. I was like, I was like yo, you can't, you can't go wrong. As one does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, next one. Do you have a favorite Juan Luis Guerra song? Mm, that's a good question. I, I, I like a lot of them because it's hard, yeah. it's hard to choose from one, right? Right. But I, you know what? This one is it Farolito, Farolito. Farolito. Oh, is Farolito. Like, 
Yeah, it's like it's a perico it's a merengue. Irito, perico ripiao, and I blast that in my car. Yeah, yo estoy, and I got a Jeep too, in California. So I take the top down. Yeah, yo soy yeah. un campesino en el, en el monte love it. de California. Yeah, I love that one. It's so it's so fast paced and so vibrant, and like it really yeah. pumps you up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and final one. Uh, what's your favorite Latino dad joke? Favorite Latino dad joke. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Hercules. <laughs> Herculito. Yeah. A very special thank you to Gadiel for talking to us. I love what he said about that quick and witty essence that Dominicans have. And I love how he embodied that perfectly in our conversation. Also, I really want to listen to Farolito by Juan Luis Guerra now. Anyway, check out Gadiel's content on Instagram and TikTok, where you can follow him at Gadiel del Orbe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 80 Podcasts and on TikTok at Studio 80. You can also watch this season's interviews and more of our shows on our YouTube channel at 80 Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Luis here, and I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the throughline of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country, and we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.